It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey guys, I'm Sai and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation and welcome to the Andy Campbell Football Show, uh, episode number 46 of the Andy Campbell Show overall and uh, we're going to be talking some, some football and uh, talking with our guest about his career as, uh, as well as a few other things but just as we wait for the, the live chat to fill up a little bit, do some plugs as, uh, as always. You can catch any of our podcast shows and interviews, which we do at Ace Podcast Nation, youtube.com slash acepodcastnation for the video uh, views. And if you want to listen to it or download it, you can get it at all your usual radio podcasting apps, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all the usual places, usual suspects, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, and alike. Uh, we've got shows on MMA, boxing, football, uh, wrestling, TV, films, conspiracy theories, loads and loads of more. We've also got a, a new cricket season, uh, cricket season, cricket series uh, debuted, uh, which I'm recording tomorrow with West Indies international Kieran Powell, former Glamorgan cricketer and uh, Nyron Norman, which will be interesting as we preview the England versus West Indies series, which starts at the beginning of July. We've got a, a very exciting boxing series coming soon as well, all worth checking out. Uh, also, I'd like to take the time to thank uh, Martin and Black Diamond Sports for all the support, uh, supporting the channel. They do a lot of work behind the scenes helping us out. Uh, Black Diamond Sports is a global sports agency representing sports stars from around the world. Uh, you can find more information at their social media pages and in particular their LinkedIn page. But uh, I highly recommend them indeed. But uh, that's the plugs. That's the boring stuff as such. The, the plugs, let's get into the good stuff. And uh, joining me as usual, my partner in crime, the speed demon, the goal collector, 
Mr. Andrew Campbell, former Cardiff City and Middlesbrough legend. How are you, sir? I'm very well, mate. Very well. Pleased to be here again. Yeah. Highlight of my week. Um, always, mate. Yeah, good long week, I think. So I'm not sure why. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to this. Indeed. And uh, joining us, of course, is uh, former Rangers, Blackpool. I'm going to miss one. Stoke, Liverpool. Lords. And uh, former, you know, well, not former, Scotland international and current Reading midfielder, Mr. Charlie Adam. How are you, sir? Good evening. All good. Thank you. You? Yeah, Privilege, Charlie. Great to have you on, mate. Thanks for, Indeed, thanks for joining us, mate. It's really good to come on. Really looking forward to it. So uh, what we like to do, Charlie, to start is uh, we have this thing called the Magnificent Seven, which is basically seven uh, quick-fire questions. We just ask you to say the first thing which comes to mind when we ask, and it just lets the viewers get a feel for your, for, your, for you and your tastes, as it were. So, uh, yep. yeah, Magnificent Seven with Charlie Adam. Here we go. Uh, Messi or Ronaldo? Messi. Stone Roses or Oasis? Oasis. Kenny Dalglish or Fergie? Uh, oh, this is a tough one, this Charlie. Oh, this is hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> does he go with? Does he go with? Uh, does he go with a Scottish uh, uh, icon? Yeah. Does he go with someone who signed him at Liverpool? Yeah, I'll go for Kenny. Same me. Yeah. Oh, good shout. I did my bad book straight away. Uh, <laughs> Stevie Gerrard or Roy Keane? Steven Gerrard. Uh, the manager who gives the best hair dryer treatment. Walter Smith. Ooh, Didn't know that. Uh, best, best roommate. Unfortunately, I, I, um, I've not shared for a long time. And the last time I shared the room was with Stephen Craney at Blackpool. Okay. And worst trainer? <laughs> Ever. Wow. Ever, mate, yeah. Ever. Yeah. Uh, Gianni Ambrula. There you go. It's the Charlie Adam Magnificent Seven. And uh, so what we like to do as well is after we've done that, just before we get into your career, uh, Charlie, we uh, discuss a couple of stories from over the weekend. Um, where do you want to start, Anne? Um, I'd like to start with um, two things. Obviously, I want to look at the, the Aston Villa game uh, against Sheffield United and... Um, Start with uh, goal line technology, um, and obviously just take on on Charlie's take of what you saw. Charlie, I don't know if you watched the game. You know, what I mean, I was I've been so excited to watch um, football and get football back. You know, I, mean, I know you played at the weekend, and um, and I just think everyone was so excited to watch the game, and then it just turned into an absolute shambles again. You know, what I mean, it just gives football a bad name. So, what was your take on what happened, and uh, and what could have what could have um, or should have happened instead of what happened? Going back to the technology, it started the Sheffield United game with Shambolic, wasn't it? How they, you know, how can you put everything into the whole season of VAR and everything like that, and then a goal like that happen, and you know, not given no help from anybody else. It was clearly over the line, yeah. but we could just say it's a uh, an error. I think it was something like nine thousand. One in nine thousand or something like that. So it's hard to take. It's going to be big for Sheffield United because they obviously feel it might take a little bit of mental. Obviously, the result yesterday was not great. The performance not at a level that they're capable of. But um, I think they deserve a lot of products still. Sheffield United, they've done incredible. You know, it's 
two bad results for them really in mm. the space of seven eight months. So no, they 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 they've been excellent. But um, mm. yeah, it's it was a whole build up, wasn't it? And um, you know, I felt that the games have probably been flat. I think the Tottenham game's probably been the best game I've seen. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, totally agree. Tottenham. Well, I'll go, I'll go back on your point there though about Chrissy Wilder. Obviously, I played for Chrissy at Halifax Town, and I, and, I, and I could see how much he was hurting. I could see how much he was hurting yesterday, and still reeling about what happened at Villa, because you just said yeah. there about moment about momentum that, um, you know what I mean. He builds his sides on that momentum and building from game to game and pushing on from one game to the next, and you know what I mean. That 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 for them and them alone probably them and Wolves are probably the two teams I really feel sorry for about 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 stopping the season because they were they were hitting the ground running, they were doing really well, and who knows where where they would have ended because they rely on the atmosphere at Bramble Lane. They, they strive on going to these big grounds and, and, and hostile atmospheres. So, you know, I mean, I, really, I feel really sorry for teams like that. Yeah, they do. And, um, you know, I was first, you know, I've always liked how Chris has played and, and Alan Neil has done a good job. But I was fortunate enough that I managed to speak to him. We played him in the cup just before really the pandemic hit. And I got about 20 minutes before I wasn't involved in the game and just talking to him and that. And he just come across as a top guy, top manager. And, yeah. Yeah, you know his did. way of talking, his the way he wanted to play the game was just was great. And do you know what I mean? And he and he gave me time that, you know, as somebody that, you know, wants to learn the game still. He was like, you know, just have my number, come and come and speak, come and see the training anytime you want. So I've I've got a lot of respect for him. I thought he was brilliant. Yeah. Um, but but it's a big decision, and it, and it will hurt. If it didn't hurt, then it'd be a worry. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. it's a huge decision. Um, and mm. listen, they've got to get over it, but. He's he'll get them over it in the next the oh, next yeah, few totally games and, and they'll yeah. definitely be back to, to the way they are, you know? Yeah, totally agree. You know, for me though, right, what's the point in having the VAR referees if when you know, it was obvious within thirty seconds after it happened that it was a goal. Now what's the point in having a video assist these video assistant assistant referees if they don't step in at that point and tell the referee the goal line technology has failed, you know, it's a goal. Because that could cost Sheffield United a Champions League space, which they may never have the opportunity to get again. Um, and I just I'm struggling with that a big time. I've got I've got a problem though. Problem goes goes further than VAR here because what's the point of a linesman? You know what I mean? A linesman is a linesman was on that on the side of the where the where the, where the balls the balls in the goal. Do you know what I mean? So the linesman is the linesman has got to give the goal. That's the first person. The ref can't see from where he is. Impossible. If he makes that call, it's a brave person. If it's not gone in, the linesman can see a, a good a good angle. Um, the watch should also see it. It didn't. It obviously went off at half time. Apparently, fifteen minutes later on, it was on a fifteen minute timer. VAR's got to then overrule it. So there's so many. Um, Error of judgments. There's so many wrong things what have happened. You know what I mean? It's just taking Here's, its time to come to the right to come to the right conclusion. Because obviously in the European games you have these um, officials that say the goal. Here's my opinion on it. Why don't the the, the opposite side linesmen come in and stand beside the goal? I agree. Because then he yeah. then he could he could spot pushing. Because like we had the same Saturday. There was an absolute stonewall penalty. We had a, a push in the back, and the referee never gave it. He would have gave it if the crowd was there. But if the fourth official would actually, the, the linesman actually come over to near the goalpost or seen it near the six-yard box, he would have seen it. So it's the same for for that um, situation where, you know, the VAR doesn't work. The, the linesman should actually come back in to, towards the, the goal and he can actually see what's going on in the penalty area in case the referee misses it or whatever, you know, and it, it's another eye that's closer to the box. Um, that's what I, I, I think that should should happen. But right, um, so right then, Charlie, we can we can we can we can then go further than that. Then, so, what's your opinion in uh, in VAR not being involved in the championship? Because 
if you'd if you in the FA Cup this season, if you played away in the Premier League against Sheffield United, you have VAR mm-hmm. there. If you played them at the, at the Majeski, you don't get VAR, and there's Not, so many things wrong with that. No, I, I I think so, and I think the 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 Championship have got the money to do it. They should yeah, be allowed totally to true. do it. There's, there is so much pressure on Championship clubs getting promoted, mm-hmm. and small decisions and margins could make a difference to these clubs. And I believe that they should, you know, they should at least be a fund from the Premier League or or something to to make it happen, especially the Championship, because there's so much at stake with the reward, you know. It, yeah. um, but we, we could keep talking to the cows come home and it's not probably yeah. ever going to change, is it, you know? No, well, well the thing is, though, I, you know, I think we've seen over, um, over the course of um, COVID-19 that, that all the leagues are... In, in England, in Britain, a, a trek differently, you know what I mean, unfortunately, you know what I mean, so for me, it should be one rule for one, one rule for everybody else, and it should be a continuation, and everybody's sitting together and pushing in the same direction, but they're not, it's not going to be, and I think we just got to get on with it, like you say, you know what I mean, some leagues uh, are taken a lot more seriously than others, you know what I mean, the Premier League is obviously the, the, the place where everyone wants to be, of course it is, you know what I mean, the Championship is the, for me, is the Holy Grail as well, which is the, is the way to make money because you win that, you get in the playoffs like you did at, at Blackpool, which we're going to talk about later on. That um, yeah. you get, you get, it's it's worth a lifetime for a football club in in terms of financial, you know what I mean, and exposure yeah. and sponsorship, etc. You know what I mean? It puts you on the map, and um, it's just it's fine margins, and, and but that could cost you. So that could cost Reading, you know what I mean, it, it, in big terms. Yeah. If there was a place in the playoffs, promotion, relegation. It's not fair, I and mean, it's not. It shouldn't be happening in this day and age of football. No, listen, individual. If we never had the VAR and, like, say, individuals, we could hang it. But in the Premier League, they, there's no way that they, this should be happening. You know, okay, it's, maybe. it's, you know, people have got to step in. They've got, they've got the television. They've got the VAR. They wanted it brought in. It's there, and to all of a sudden for it not to work, it's, it's incredible. And um, that's what I do. It's it's a it's a shame because it puts pressure on Michael Oliver at the time as a referee. Do you know what I mean? And, hmm. and it's, at the end of the day, it's, he's saying my watch never worked or the the, the thing never worked. It's human. Hmm. It is a technical error, but people you know, stop the park or you know. I don't well, know the point the the, the point I've got, Charlie, as well. Like, and, and it's backing referees up here. You know what I mean? I'm not I'm, I'm not really an advocate for that on here. Normally, I mean it's like I'm off, <laughs> but I think. If the referee didn't wear the watch and that technology wasn't there, he still wouldn't have given the goal because he didn't see it and he can't see it from the angle he was at unless he stood directly on the goal line or on the, on the byline. He's not going to see that that going the net. You know what I mean? Then he's looking over to his linesman. He's looking over to for help from somebody else. And like you say, if there was another body uh, getting level where it, it helps, the more people there are going to help make them decisions and get them right. But I think sometimes we're a little bit reliant. Well, he was especially reliant on his technology, but. Like he's, but he's got to be. Craig makes a good point here in the chat. He says, uh, "Why can't they use the big screens in the ground? While there's no fans in the ground, obviously he understands that they they can't use the screens when the fans are in the grounds because it could cause problems. But while there's no fans there, there's no real excuse to not integrate those big screens with, with the VAR. I think, but yeah, yeah. there's a point. But then you you look at a ground like Old Trafford." They don't have the screen. They only no, have a no, small, no. a small thing, a technical sort. You know, mm. then we're trying to make excuses already by bringing yeah, other yeah. big screens into it. Yeah, so yeah. it's changing the, the dynamic of the game. Before, you know what I mean? We're trying to. Yeah, yeah. We're only talking about that because it was an in, there was an error made. You know, if it, if there was no error made, we wouldn't be talking about trying to bring another extra screen in so everybody could see. 
it's it's difficult. It's tough on Sheffield United as a as a group of players and as a, and as a club, but they have to just get on with it, put it to the back of their mind, and and hoping that they they can pick up because I thought they they were they were disappointing yesterday, and um, mm. uh, you know I was I was looking forward to watching them, but mm. people people were asking me the other day, what about Newcastle? If I looked at, it, I'd still expect Newcastle to be beating Sheffield United, no matter you know how well they are. It's Newcastle's Newcastle, big club. It's a tough place huge to go. Huge club, yeah, huge club. You know, um, but mm. it is what it is, and um, no, they'll bounce back. Sheffield United, I think they be, they have been excellent, and they'll bounce back to to that in the next game. Mm. Um, just while we're on about Aston Villa and Sheffield United, I, I, I want to. I watched uh, an interview today. Dean Smith did an interview about Jack Grealish, uh, and he did. Yeah. It was about uh, Jack being the most fouled midfield player. Um, in the league, he's, he's been fouled 140 times, which is nearly double than the next person, which is Wilfred Zaha. And Wilfred Zaha, obviously a winger, he takes people on, he's, he's that kind of player. Why is it then that Jack Grealish is getting fouled as much? Is it a vendetta, like, like Dean Smith is saying? Or is it um, just the way that Jack plays his football? So obviously, you'll have played directly against Jack. So, you know, I mean, he likes to get the ball to feet, he keeps close control of the ball. So, what, what is it? What makes him get, in, get, get tackled that much? Oh, he's a good player. <laughs> Simply yeah, that, you know, he's, he's a dangerous player. So, you know, people say if we stop Aston Villa, we've got a better chance of beating them. If we stop Jack Grealish, he's the main player. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's been fouled a lot, but you know, you know a lot. Of, you know, when you when you've got somebody like that, a talent, you know, if you stop them, you know, Villa aren't the same team if he's f- playing foot flow. And at times yesterday, he was playing as a as a wing, as a as a fullback. And that's just the pressure that Liverpool, that Chelsea put on you. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I just like to see him more central instead of playing on a, on a wider area. I think he's better as a ten, um, but it's um, no. He's listen. He's a terrific talent, and um, mm. it'll be interesting to see what happens in the summer one because you know he's he deserves the. Yeah, know, we'll probably get a move if they if they do go go down. But um, no, listen, I totally is a, that's I totally a great club, big yeah, big totally club, agree. and he's a um, he's a good player, you know. It's interesting what you've just said there, though, Charlie. Sorry, Sai. It's uh, about about Jack Grealish. That Jack um, uh, Dean Dean tried to um, say how influential he is as a player, uh, but they tried to. He said that we haven't relied on too much in the last two games, and then the reporter threw back at him. Well, but you haven't won in the last two games. You've drew and you've drew and you've lost. So you know what I mean. Sometimes you'd rather be reliant on on your best player. You know what I mean. That he he made the point that he's playing. He played a lot out wide against um, Chelsea, but he set the goal up, which he laid back to the fullback to cross in for the centre half to finish, which is great. But I, I'm the same as you. I I like him getting in the ball, driving in the box. You know what I mean. I'll use his example like he did for Villa against Birmingham last year. You know what I mean. That it's a hostile atmosphere, but he's driving in, taking people on, shooting across the goalkeeper. That's a Jack Grealish. What we all want to see for club and country. And if he's not doing that, he's going to struggle to get in the England squad if he's not playing in them kind of positions. No, but if you know, if you're going back to the thing, it's difficult for Jack Grealish when he's he needs players to get him on the ball. He needs people to be able to penetrate between the lines. Yeah. You know, uh, instead of playing sideways and backwards, he needs somebody in midfield that actually, you know, gets excited when he be able to pass it forward. Do you know what I mean? And be able to to get him on it because there's no better when when you're playing a team like that and you see your best talented player and you can get him on the ball and he goes by people and he's a bag of tricks and he can get fouls and he entices players to dive in. No, it's a joy to to actually stand behind him and watch him. Do you know what I mean? So. The biggest onus, I think, is on the players trying to find him the ball more regular. I don't think they try and get him on it enough. Yeah, because I don't see it in their team. They don't have somebody that, that looks to penetrate the pass forward at times between the lines. 
Um, they've got nice tidy footballers in there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so, it, listen, it is tough when you when you're a, a team that's down the bottom and you know there's a lot of onus on a, a youngster who's a local lad, captain, and people are trying to look for inspiration from him. And you know if he does have a tough game or a bad game, you know you know Villa seem to lose or. You know, it's not just a bit dry. It's the, the losing too many goals at the other end as well, and that that's not helping. But you can't run a team, can you? Say you can't. We spoke about this week before. You know what I mean about the lads in the championship predominantly. Lads, uh, you know what I mean. Um, you can't do things on your own. And, and, and Jack's a local boy. He's played for Villa all his life. He takes it to heart when they lose. You know what I mean. And like you say there, Charlie. You know what I mean as a, as a current player. You know what I mean as a, a as an opposition against him that you're keeping quiet. You know what I mean. You can snuff Villa out a little bit. So it's. Doesn't give him much. Of yeah. a, it doesn't give him much of a much of an opportunity, then, does it? No, and that's um, that's the big thing for them. Then that's the that's the worry for Aston Villa at the moment. He needs to pick his level up in the last, you know, next few games to 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 try and get them out of the, the the problems that they're in. So, do you think that um, regardless of whether Villa go down or stay up, do you think if United, for instance, come in with fifty million, Villa have got to take that? Like you're making fifty million from a home town, you know, an academy product. Um, what do you think, Charlie? Do you think that's they got to take that? They don't need to take it because they've got a rich owner. They don't need mm. to, but for for his career to go and play at the next level where he deserves an opportunity to to, to go and flourish at Man United, if it is a Man United or you know, is it is it someone else, an Everton maybe? Um, yeah, I would I would see it happening. It's um, they're definitely going to be interesting uh, him and John McGinn in the summer if it, if they're in the Premier League or or they do go down. The, the two of them have done extremely well the last mm. few months, last year and this Premier League season. So they um, not be interesting times. But I don't think Asvel are in any pressure to sell him. Um, I just think it'll be a a decision for him as a player. Does he feel he's done enough for Aston Villa and to move on if it's a Man United? That, that want them. Good shout. Uh, right, moving on a little bit. Obviously, we've uh, we've we've covered um, COVID nineteen. Obviously, the the bad, the bad, and the ugly. Um, but I'd like to look at the positives, Charlie. That that how how it affected you. You know what I mean? In the in the, in the positive more than the negative. Obviously, football was taken away from you. From you but how did you keep on fit? Did, keep on getting fit? Uh, did you do your own stuff? Did you get a program from the club? How did talk us through how that all happened? Well, I used it. I used it as a positive. I used it as a mini pre-season. I knew from I had a week off when sort of hit, and I thought to myself, right, I need to go and train hard. I need to use it as a, a platform to, because I'm at a contract. So you still got to think about next season as well. You got to think, right, I've got nine games. I don't know when I'm going to be there, and mentally as well, it was an opportunity to get out of the house for an hour and a half, when to exercise that we can, we're allowed to do. Um, you know, I'm living in London, my family are up north, so it was good to spend time with my kids at home as well for yeah. eight, nine weeks, you know, every day. And so I used it as a as a mental thing to be able to get out of the house away, you know, from the kids, keep to a daily routine of training at ten o'clock training at ten o'clock. Yeah. Um and I worked hard and, you know, getting the, hopefully going to get the rewards in the next nine games, get an opportunity to play and and, and see what happens for in, in these nine games. And, you know, we we drew it home at the weekend, which was tough. Um, we did okay, and you know, opportunities that up to about seventy minutes, and then they started launching balls in the box, and they caused us problems. Um, we we never defended the goal. Um, probably 
looking back, it was my, um, I'd say it was probably my fault for the goal. I misread the cross and I thought that they were going to miss it. And, you know, when you're defending set players in the 94th minute, you've got to deal with the cross and probably I never done it well enough. And uh, yeah, we lost the goal. So I'm disappointed with that. But, you know, it's, um, no, it's been, it's been good for, for me as a, a fitness side and, you know, using it as a mental preparation for the next nine games. Just while you spoke about uh, the game at the weekend, so what um, what was it like being back under obviously no fans? You know, I mean that was that must probably be the first time you've you've done that in a in a hell of a long time. You know, we were speaking about you know, I mean it reminded me a little bit like of playing Pontins League Reserve games back in nineteen ninety five, ninety six. That playing in front of no fans has never been anything to me. You know, it's always been fans and fans have made football, so it must have been very strange. No, the thing for me is because uh, when I was at Stoke and even at Reading. I um, if I don't play on a Saturday and there's like a, a 23s game or a, the checker trade that we could all play in at the moment, you know, senior players can play in that. I, I always put my name forward to play because I want to play at least one 90 minutes a week if I can to try and yeah. stay marked sharp. So I'm sort of used to it as in like it, there's nobody coming to the checker trade games. Um, so there was nobody, in the, you know what I mean? So it was like that. And for me, yes, Saturday, I actually quite enjoyed it. But the problem you have thought was. When you're actually shouting on the pitch, you could hear, you know, everybody could hear what you're shouting, and, and you know, if the fans are in the stadium, sometimes they can't hear you. So yeah, yeah. I think you've got, I think you've sometimes you've got to tone down how you actually speak to your teammates, um, yeah. because it, it, everybody can see it. Do you know what I mean? And hear yeah. it. So it is tough, but um, no, I, I actually quite enjoyed it. It was um, no different. Once you cross that white line, it's about going and winning football matches, and that's hopefully what we can do for now to the end of the season. I was going to say um, in the live chat uh, Gaz has just asked he said is it harder uh, to play in now knowing your contract is up and did you sign a short term extension to take you through the the rest of the season well I signed a short term extension this morning before we played uh, we played Oxford in the friendly this, after, this, this afternoon um, just just for the lads that never played at the weekend to get 90 minutes so I signed that extension to the end of the End of the season because I feel that you know it's an opportunity to to play games still. Uh, put yourself in a shot window if 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 Reading don't need don't want you for next season. I'd listen. There's no situation. We've not spoke anything yet, so it's it's just a matter of time to go and play and you know enjoy yourself getting back out in the pitch. Hopefully, so no, did you win Italian for me? Did yeah, you? we won two. Won two. One, I managed to nick a goal as well, so that helps. A little header. There you go. So head of, um, headed from the halfway line. No, two yards. I was a poacher's goal. <laughs> hey, it's all right. It's all right. Um, one thing, obviously, you said something earlier on about contract. That your contract's coming up, and you just said there about um, obviously you signed a short-term deal. Um, yeah. Was there any thoughts that you would not play this rest of the season? Because obviously uh, Lyle Taylor, um, a couple of lads at Middlesbrough have said they're not going to do it. A couple of five lads at Hull. Um, so there's a lot of players who aren't playing for various reasons, contracts, um, fear, etc. So, um, was, was there any part of you what, what, what was never going to play? No, never. I, I always thought that when it happened and, and speaking to people, my agent, speaking to, you know, family, I wanted to play. Uh, there was always the, I think everybody's situation different. Ryan Fraser, you can name, Lyle Taylor name. They're going on to bigger and better clubs. Um, you know, they've got, they've got moves lined up. So they've got an op- opportunity to, 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 to do something different. Why would you risk that new contract that you're going to get? I could see the point of view. Um, it's going to be life-changing for, for Lyle to wherever, wherever yeah, yeah. he goes. 
So uh, I see both sides of it. I see the club will be thinking, you know, mm. um, you know, why you don't want to play. But then there's obviously clubs that are thinking, well, we can get rid of players. If you look at Joe Hart's situation, he's been told that he won't play for Burnley again, so he's gone. So it's... It's, yeah. no, it's, I totally it's, agree. There was, there was a couple of lads from Bournemouth as well, a couple of lads at, you know, at Burnley again that that teams have seen it a way, a way of saving a little bit of money. Yeah. So, the seasonal contracts and stuff, yeah. So it's it's it, it's, it works both ways, but I, there was never any doubt. Um, I want to play games. There's plenty of games to play, nine games, put you in a shop window if nothing materialises and and we'll see what happens. And that's how I, that's how I view it. What do about... Uh, can, go on, Sai. I was just going to ask, do the clubs... Uh, consult the players in terms of, you know, just like if they're comfortable with the the regulations or whatever is in place in regards to training and things like that. Is that like an as ongoing in, thing? And in, in what circumstances? Um, as in, just with it, you know, with everything like the pandemic and everything, and and oh, training and everything starting back up. Yeah, there's a protocol. There's obviously there's um, the way you get looked after. Obviously, we get tested twice a week, Monday and a Thursday. We got tested before the game today. We drive into the training ground, the doctors come out, they, they give you the, take your temperature, they give you the swab, you do the swab, you hand it back and then you go and train and then you get the results within 24 hours. So it's, it's been, it's been great. It's flowed with us. We've been, uh, I've had, I've never felt any doubt or any worry. The club have always been up front with us and said, this is what we want to do. And, you know, we, um, no, we, we're just looking to, to try and win a few games, hopefully, and push up the league. How about fear then going forward, Charlie? Because obviously, an Arsenal player today has been um, um, has got has got COVID nineteen, tested positive. So you know, what I mean, how do you feel going forward if a if a fellow Reading uh, player was tested positive? Well, well, we we've had positive tests, and that's it doesn't doesn't affect doesn't affect it, you mentally. No, it doesn't affect me mentally. No, it's no. Um, I, the, the the biggest thing for if anybody catches it is their well being. Make sure they're okay. That they yeah. don't all of a sudden slip into a bad situation where, you know, they're potentially hospitalised or anything. That's that's the worry. It's no, you know, we are. It's um, it's a strange one for us. Is it Arsenal? Is it the Arsenal? Is the Arsenal that have been? Yeah, yeah, one yeah, last so day. Yeah, it's it's strange because I think there's mm. got to be contact for 15 minutes. So it's what he's mm. been doing away from the game, you know. And for for instance, for me, I know that. When I when I finish training, I get in my car, I go to go to my flat in Reading. I don't really go out. I don't maybe go to to get some shopping and and, and things like that. But I'll be in and out. You know, I'm don't I'm not around many people. So the, 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 for me to catch it would be very very I'd be very surprised. So um, mm. it it is what it is. But um, you just got to respect each other um, and do the right things and, and and make sure you're ready to go. Great stuff. Uh, right, so before we move on uh, to uh, to your uh, so far unbelievable sex- successful career, Charlie, uh, we've been very fortunate, Sai, haven't we, um, that we've um, we've started a link out um, uh, a new sponsor. So exclusive news for all of you is we've um, we've made a link with um, Bespoke Finances uh, and Dan Roundstone in particular. 
Uh, Bespoke Financial is our new sponsor, the number one protection firm in the UK. The financial group specialises in life insurance, critical illness insurance, income protection, mortgages and sport cover. Um, so obviously, especially what's happening with COVID-19, I think it's a perfect time to get in touch because I've known um, the boys who, who run the company. I know Darren very well personally and I've had, uh, I've got, sorry, um, all, all of those various covers uh, with the company. So I think it's so important that you, that you look after yourself um, outside of football, inside of football, outside of life uh, and things. I think it's so important. So I think the link that we've got as a, uh, as a show is a, is a very successful and hopefully a, a long-winded one as well, Sam. Indeed, mate. Yeah, they um, obviously they're you know the the uh, the financial company up uh, up by your way, and I know they're looking to you know to branch out into other cities around the UK, um, and there's no better city than Cardiff, let me tell you. But uh, <laughs> I, I you know I've always got to slip that in. But um, yeah, you know, excited, welcome them on board, and uh, it's just uh, it's good to keep growing, my friend. Um, okay, so let's talk. He's done a good job, Neil Harris. He, 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 to be fair, I, 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 was very, him. I was very, I was very critical of him uh, at the start. I thought, not maybe he's uh-huh. not of him. I think of the, of the club. Um, I thought when Neil Neil Warnock left, I thought it was a very strange and a sideward step to bring him in. Bring him in. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I thought, I thought they, they were they were talking about um, Lee Boyer. They were talking about various other people who, who would have taken the club down a different route. And um, to be fair, I watched uh, Sunday and we did a. Uh, we did a quick interview on uh, Sunday lunchtime just before the game and, and we spoke about the team, we spoke about the formation, we spoke about various things, what could happen possibly were going to happen and to be fair, he got his tactics spot on, he picked the right team, the right formation. Um, yes, Leeds were a threat because they've got full of, they're full of good players like you know Charlie who played against them and, uh, and they're, they're an excellent yeah. football inside but you know what I mean, Cardiff, you know what I mean, they've got an opportunity now, they've got a big game on Saturday against uh, Preston away um, and there's always a team who gets in the playoffs very late, and if it can be Cardiff City, I, I, I can see them going all the way. You know. Yeah, no, I think um, I just think that they, they've, they've not changed over the last few years in how they play. Like right? they're not, it's not pretty football. It's efficient. You know, yeah. it might, they don't they don't care about going back to front. But I'm talking about the points that he's got since he's come in. It's, it's been incredible. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. I think so, I think a lot of, a lot of the fans were a little bit um, annoyed with the way that the club decided that they went down a similar route as Neil Warnock because. The brand of football under under um, Sunil Warnock wasn't wasn't great. You know, I mean, you played against his side before. I've watched them a lot of times, like like Sayas and all the Cardiff fans who follow us have, and it's not pretty to watch. You know, what I mean, when when you don't get the result you want, it's 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 pretty depressing. tedious, and pretty pretty depressing. But when you win, it doesn't matter how you play. But um, I think Neil's Neil scoring a lot more goals than Neil Warnock was. You know, what I mean, he's letting a lot more in. Which if you're going to play a little bit more expansive and a little bit more attacking, that's going to happen. But I thought on Saturday, you know what I mean? My, I looked at the team and I, and I wasn't happy that Gratzel wasn't playing, but Gratzel came on, scored an absolute fantastic call, and you know what I mean? Just just shut me up. So it was uh, it was nice, and I just hope Cardiff can uh, can push on now because uh, I say I've still got I've still got uh, a place in my heart for them. You know what I mean? My one of my one of my kids was was born there while I played there, so it was uh, it was lovely lovely time for me in my life. Charlie, you mentioned uh, managers there. On the uh, on the championship show, me and Andy have raved uh, about the impact which Mark Bowen's had on the Reading team. Um, it's been really sensational. Um, what's he like to work under? Obviously, a, a Welshman, Welsh former Welsh international himself. You had to drop that one, didn't you? You had to drop that in. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I um, obviously I worked with him as a as Stoke, um, as his num- as Mark Hughes' number two. So I knew what he was coming. Nothing's nothing's changed. It's never complicated. Uh, where a manager previously tried to complicate everything, he wanted to play the right way and never worked. Um, you know, trying to play at the back and it was never on. But he he keeps it simple. He tries to listen. There's fundamentals in how we play, second balls. You know press the game get after teams um, you know turn, if you if you want to turn teams be turning them it's 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 doing the, the right things properly but allowing our front players once we get into their half to go and express themselves be, play with freedom and enjoyment with a smile on your face and, and I think that's what managers should do you know what I mean I think sometimes the managers come in and they overcomplicate things and they try and play out for the back look at if you look at Norwich for instance you know they won't they try to play at the back every week and they keep getting caught, you know what I mean? And that yeah. comes through game, gamesmanship, mentality of the team. Yeah. At times, you've got to go long and, and miss a press or whatever. So, no, he's um, he's done a good job. Um, our, our biggest issue that we have is that is changing the mentality of the... You know, the team's been fighting relegation for a few years, so it's now coming to trying to get the players into the winning mentality of winning, trying to win every week and not just accepting a draw is good enough. It's... Um, it's about winning and getting promoted, and that's that's just that's the plain facts, you know. Well, I watched, uh, I watched the I watched the game. Side start of the season. We we spoke about it quite um, quite a lot on the, on the championship show. It was a, a start of the season, Charlie. It was um, Reading against Cardiff. You beat Cardiff, I think three one, and uh, Puskas scored. Uh, I think he scored two, and it was just yeah, oh, I was he was I was actually good. He was out of this world. I've never you know what I mean on, on his day on that day, and he was unplayable. And, Cardiff just couldn't live with him and Cardiff were the, the all singing all dancing come down to the Premier League and on the day it was like men against boys and you know what I mean and, and but the thing is though like you say there about mentality sometimes it's easier playing against the teams who come down because they've got the big names they've got the big expectations it's when you need to to play against a lesser size that you've got to raise your game back again and it sometimes players can't always do that yeah and that's the that's the inconsistency we've had all season you know we 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 do well against the big teams I remember it well we turned Cardiff over. We thought at the start of the season, you know, they'd come down for the Premier League and we and we'd done a job on them. Mm. But they regrouped. They, you know, obviously Neil Warnock yeah, left. Yeah. The mentality the mentality of their group, you know, Big Saul and um you know uh that uh what's his name? A pack in midfield, you know, they they good the good championship players, they know how to win games. Um and listen, you said before, there's always a team that come with a run, and um, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if it was Cardiff. No, I certainly, certainly agree. Um, and just before we go into Charlie's career and uh, starting, I'm just going to do a couple of the live question, uh, live chat questions, just so we don't end up with a billion. There's um, one on there from uh, from one of my ex students, Ben Scalen. Okay, he is big, big I'll, Charlie fan. I'll get hmm. to him Charlie now fan. then. Um, so let's have a look what we got. Um, there was one. Oh, there he is, uh, Jack. Taylor asked to Charlie, is Gareth Bale the hardest player uh, that you ever played against? Uh, listen, Gareth Bale was a top player, is a top player. Um, it, it, I never really played against him one against one. I, I keep saying I was fortunate enough to play against some of the greatest players they played in the Premier League and in, in the Champions League. But, you know, I always keep going back to somebody like Scott Parker, who's old-fashioned midfielder, you know, aggressive, 
won't does not give you a minute on the ball. And I always found it tough playing against Scott Parker every every time I played. Um, so he's, he's underrated. Get, he's underrated, Charlie, wasn't he, Scotty? Very underrated. Yeah, Scotty technically technically was good. You mm. know, nick nick a goal, but he was like a rash. He was always he was always behind you. He was always near you, mm. close to you. And the um, nah, I, I, that was he was the one that I thought. You know, was it going to be a tough afternoon every time I played against them? Um, he surprised. He he's surprised. He's a manager now. Um. Yeah, I just I don't know. I just, listen. Some people don't. It doesn't. It, it force your hand to it, do they? You know what I mean? Yeah. You're talking, I, I, I'll, I'll be, I was surprised. I, I knew. I've known Scotty most of my career. You know what I mean? I, I played yeah. uh, England, England with him, and when he was at Charlton, going back in his start of his career, and obviously West Ham yeah. and Chelsea and. He's had an unbelievable career, unbelievable career. Yeah. I, I didn't expect him to go in at the level he did. Um, you know what I mean? And, and to be fair, I think he's done a he's done a fine job. You know what I mean? I, I hope he doesn't blow up for him and it, and it affect him long term if he wants to be a manager. But you know what I mean? He's he's done all right so far. No, he has done. I say, listen, it's perfect job in it. Fulham yeah. on the King's Road, and so it's a it's a nice it's a nice place to play Fulham. Um, but there's always pressure because of the. Coming coming back from the Premier League and the salaries that they yeah. they paying the big num- numbers for Mitrovic and people like that came me so yeah a lot of pressure yeah. on them but uh, yeah. no he's done it he's done a good job yeah yeah totally agree uh, another question Charlie was what team did you support growing up that was from James Costley oh I'm I'm uh, still am a Dundee supporter I um, I, I supported Super them as a kid will be happy. yeah that's my that's my local team and um, just always supported them yeah. I couldn't believe when I when I went up to Scotland because uh, I came across you, Charlie, when um, when I went to Dunfermline. Um, you know, uh-huh. I didn't know a lot about Scottish football when uh, when I went up. You know, I'm a little bit ignorant of me, obviously. Uh, but uh, obviously, how close the two grounds were, Dundee United and Dund- in Dundee. Obviously, in Sunday, you just oh, unbelievable. You know that um, I um, uh, it's probably similar to Nottingham Forest. That you know, what I mean, it's over the obviously over the river, but that was just it's just over a road. I just can't believe how yeah. we can have two football clubs that close together. Uh, who obviously can be both successful as well, you know? Yeah, obviously Dundee, Dundee United have obviously got promoted this season from the cha- in Championship back up to Premier League and Dundee have, um, are still in the Championship. But when they play each other, the players walk from one stadium down to the Like if Dundee are playing at Dent, they walk down pre-match up the road and then they walk to, the, to Tannadice down the street um, to, to the other stadium. It's just, it's bizarre. But, you know, the big thing is there's no hatred when the two of them play each other. It's um, they actually, both teams will, you know, for ninety minutes they'll have a laugh and a joke and that. But if you go into a bar after the game, they'll all sat having a drink and enjoying it with each other, a bit of banter flying. It's, you know, it's a it's a good it's a good derby. It's nothing um, nothing too serious or, you know, anything like that. I think that probably that probably moves us on to your career. Then, so obviously, we just spoke about a derby there. That I don't think you get any more fierce than the derby that you started with. Then, on in, in your first club and your, do you know what I mean? It doesn't get any it doesn't get any bigger than that. Then, so tell me, tell me what's it like to be um, an old firm player before, uh, and then obviously then playing in an old firm. I I um I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the pressure. I you know the. Rangers and Celtic, you just you have to be sensible what you're going to do, especially leaving up, lead, leading up to an old firm weekend. Yeah. Um, but even through the younger age groups, it was just we wanted to beat Celtic because it was your rivals. You know, 15, 16s, under 18s. It was up, make sure you have to, you beat Celtic, and, and the buzz you got from winning the games were, were massive. Um, but to get an opportunity to actually play in an old firm game at Celtic Park in front of sixty thousand. 
it's oh, it's it's deafening. The atmosphere is incredible. It, you know the intensity of both game. The games are are electric, and um, no, I'm fortunate enough got a few wins, oh. um, and and now they're, they're great games. So anybody that gets an opportunity to go and watch one, I, I'd recommend. You know, but talk us through then, Charlie. Talk us through the, the the feeling you've got in the tunnel outside in, outside the, the the changing room, Celtic Park away from home, just about to walk out. Um, talk us through that because obviously I played at Celtic Park and and. I, you don't. It's not that. It's not that kind of feel. You know what I mean. You look. You look next to you. And you, you know what I mean. Back in the day when I played, it was Chris Sutton, Roy Keane, um, John Artson. You know what I mean. Alan Thompson, and you know what I mean. You're thinking, if we can keep this down to four or five, you know, we different mentality. You know, but you know, you're yeah. you're not wanting to look next door because you're thinking it's a war. You know what I mean. You're going out there and it's going to be an absolute hatred between one team and another. You know. Yeah. So just the the whole build up was is exciting. You obviously get to the ground and when you get off the bus at Celtic Park, there's there could be 2,000, 3,000 Celtic fans waiting for you getting off the bus and they give you dogs abuse, which is, which is great. It's part of the, you know, the, the being a footballer and, you know, you go inside, but that whole, I think what's spoiled it now is taking away the supporters, you know, having only 800, 900 now. Yeah. Um, but when I was there, it was like, you used to get that whole back section and, you know, five and a half, 6,000 Rangers fans there. So you'd come out to warm up and what we always used to do was um, obviously stood in the tunnel and, like you said, people like Thompson, Lennon, Petrov, you know, they, these players are besides you. And it was, um, listen, we we've, we wanted to win and um, we got some great games. But we used to always go when Celtic were um, doing the You'll Never Walk Alone or the Huddle, we used to go over to the Rangers fans and clap and make them wait. And, you know, it used to get them a bit upset and you know you used to get under the skin a little bit so it was um, things like that little mind games that, that we used to do and you know winning at Celtic Park was incredible when you win at Celtic Park you'd walk out to the bus and you'd be lucky if there was 30-40 Celtic fans waiting for you because you know it was um, they, 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 they wouldn't like it but it's yeah. um, no, it's an amazing game and it's um, when you're a footballer it's the these are the games that you miss you know how old mm. were you, uh, Charlie, when you played in your old, uh, your first old oh, firm game? Maybe twenty, twenty-one, maybe. It's quite young. Was it difficult to like deal with the the pressure of playing for Rangers when you're so young? Um, you know, and footballers get abuse at the best of times, don't they? But I would imagine, like a Rangers Celtic kind of rivalry is probably no. I thrived on the pressure. I thrived at enjoying that type of pressure. Um, the big games, the big moments. Um, they, that's what you, that's what you you worked from when you were a young kid to to growing up to to getting an opportunity to go and play for 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 Rangers. I had to go on a couple of loan spells, which were difficult for me, but I, I used the loan spells as um, a base where I can go and show my talents and hopefully you know Rangers was when you when you sign for Rangers it's. That's all you think about is Rangers. No matter what, it's you always want to be at Rangers. But it comes to a point where you have to make a sacrifice in your career. That what's best for your career. And I had to do that when I left to go to Blackpool. Listen, I was heartbroken to leave to go to Blackpool, but you know I wouldn't have changed it for the world. I had a great time at Rangers, great upbringing and uh, full-time football, um, and and that reward was you know playing seventy odd games for Rangers, and it was it was brilliant. You just said it there, Charlie, about uh, about loan moves, and so um, how important are they? You know, what I mean, I had um, 
Oh God, I think I had about twenty to be fair in in throughout my career. But at the start, when I was young, um, I went on loan um, to Sheffield United under Steve Bruce. I went uh, uh, Bolton Wanderers under Sam Allardyce. You know what I mean? And I learned and became a man very quickly. You know what I mean? Because I didn't have a choice that you're playing against men regular week in week out. And I and I found that really helped me to go back to Middlesbrough to to really understand what it what it means to play first team football week in week out. Well. It's not that it's not it's not about the money, but how I used it was when I went to like Ross County, um, the lads were on big big money, but what I realised quickly that you know the the win bonus meant a lot to them, their appearance money meant a lot mm. to them because it was you pay the mortgage or the cars and yeah. you know I was uh, they just made me grow up so quick you know yeah. it was you know um, and, and 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 like I say you know the right characters if if a senior player has a go at you as a young lad. You know, you react in the right manner, and you, you know, I just see it now that you know, some of these young kids they just shrug shoulders and they don't even want to listen and learn from you, but because they think that you're having a go at them, when really you're trying to help them. I just used that these lads were trying to help me progress my career. They knew that I had a talent. It was just trying to showcase that every week and showing that it, what it means to to win games on a Saturday. And like you say, there is no better feeling on a Saturday when you win and you've played well. And you know you can enjoy your Saturday night and mm. uh, or your Sunday, and the whole week is totally different from when you when you lose a game. You know, so it's um, I learned quick. That's all. That's, all that's that's what good senior players do to you. They mm. they they should they should be able to help you and learn. Mm. You should be able to learn from them, and I did. You just said something interesting there, Charlie, about young lads, and you know, what I mean, I, that's some, that's my biggest bugbear at the minute. And I see a lot of a lot of players in my area uh, in the northeast that they get released by. Um, Premier League clubs, Championship clubs, and, and they fall down quite a long way down the pyramid in football, and, uh, and feel sorry for themselves a little bit, and they think people people owe them a favour, and you know what I mean. Sometimes you just got to get back on that horse and, and and keep working hard and get that opportunity back because you know what I mean. It, it, there's a there's a reason why things don't work out. You know what I mean because clubs are carrying a lot of players and things. But I find sometimes with young lads they take it for granted that they're at a uh, they're a professional footballer or, or they're in a professional football club and, and unfortunately you know what I mean the, the, the percentages what make it to the highest level uh, or get an opportunity is very minimal No uh, and I think it's the same that you when you get an opportunity to let's say for instance if you if you get released from Middlesbrough and you know where do you go from there you end up at maybe Hartlepool or, or somewhere like that if, if, yeah, if you look at the minute yeah yeah, but what I'm saying is, if it is, if that's the step back that you have to take, when you when you make that step back, make sure you apply yourself. I totally agree. You know, just yeah. as much as you did as if you were at Middlesbrough, because you know what it's like to be there. So why do you not want to get the opportunity to go back there? And your performances at a, a Hartlepool will get you back there if you go and and you do it right. And just like you said before, I think the younger players nowadays, football owes them something. It's like they don't want to go and grab it better. By the throat, they don't want to, you know, take the bull by the horns and just and and grasp being a footballer. It's um, they think it's easy, or uh, they just think that ah, yeah, it's all right. I've got an idea in my contract. Well, sometimes you just need to take a step back to to realise that you know what I mean. Take a step back to go two steps forward, and no, I think it's um, the players nowadays are, are different from when we were younger. No, well, I totally agree there, and I've and I've said the same thing. I've had the same conversation with people similar age to myself, a little bit older. That um, 
I'm I'm respectful of what you said that um, the older players helped me through, dragged me through. You know what I mean? But it wasn't a guarantee. You know what I mean? I had to put the work in. You know what I mean? Nobody gave mm-hmm. me nothing, nothing for nothing. I had to put the effort in. If I didn't put the effort in, I was told on a daily basis, and I wasn't told nicely, by the way. I was told in no uncertain terms to to pull my finger out. You know what I mean? I was no one special. You know what I mean? I was a young lad. I was I, I wore the shirt with pride. I, I, every shirt I did wear. But I, you know what I mean? I just think sometimes that things get lost in translation. That that kids. Younger, younger players um, think that, that they deserve an opportunity and some players can you said earlier on about 23s under 23s that they can go to 21 22 23 and, and have a handful of games where you know what I mean there's a level for everybody I, I find and I say you know what I mean that if they, can, they have to drop down five leagues to, to step back up in a couple in a couple of seasons for me you're playing more regular football and it's going to have a, a longer effect on your football career than it is staying at the top level for three years and then all of a sudden never playing football again because it's it's heartbreaking when that's taken away from you. We look at Jonathan yeah. Green in, mate. Um, mm. we, we, sorry, Charlie. We just uh, we talked to Jonathan Green in last week and he was in a, that exact situation where he got to his early 20s. He was playing at Man United. They wanted to keep him, but he wanted to play week in, week out. And he left. You've got to make a decision. Um, and I kind of agree with you, mate, um, that I think a lot of young players sometimes, they don't want to drop down the leagues to get experience. Not all of them, because some do. Um, yeah. Sorry to jump in there, Charlie. That's all right. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. It's um, it's it's a it's a worry because you look at now come the summer, there's going to be loads of players at a contract. So if you've got a contract, you, you you're going to be a lucky player to to have a contract because this pandemic is going to you know crucify mm. football and come the summer, you know. Yeah, that's about lower low league as well. You know that I, I, I was critical earlier on about uh, about the league's not. Um, been similar all the way across, but I feel so sorry for um, for some of the players who uh, who are going to be scraping around next season in League League One, League Two. You know what I mean, Conference side, and you know what I mean, and who need they need the bills paying. You know what I mean, the same as anybody else. And it's such a it's such an uncertain time for everybody. But you know what I mean. Hopefully that football can come together and and money can be found. If it's if that's filtered down from the Premier League, then I don't know. You know what I mean. Long uh, loads of conversations need to be need to be done. But hopefully football comes back and and. Teams can afford to put budgets back in so players can get paid. Yeah. Um, right. Moving forward, Charlie. So obviously, European football has played a huge part in uh, in your career so far. Um, I read a uh, a great stat about uh, when you at Rangers uh, about Champions League and about Stuttgart in particular. That uh, obviously you scored your first Champions League goal against Stuttgart and then you scored again against them. So um, yeah. tell me about tell me about those two games. So I was the the thing for me when I was at Rangers that was more of a I always used to play in the big games, which was, was, was which was amazing, but frustrating because we'd play, you know, Kilmarnock or a, a Dunfermline or a Motherwell, and I wouldn't play. But if I was playing Aberdeen, Celtic, Hearts away, Hibs away, I'd be in the team playing because he knew that I could do a job, and I was yeah. tactically, I was disciplined, and you know, I'd use my brain and you know, I've, things like that. So I'd play in the big games, and then obviously the Champions League was we qualified for the Champions League, which was massive. The music, we got Barcelona, Stuttgart and Lyon. And uh, we played Stuttgart at home. We it's quite were, an easy draw, uh, quite an easy draw, Charlie, wasn't it? Yeah, it was easy enough. But um, <laughs> but by that time, the um, so we played Stuttgart at home and I think we won 2-0. Uh, um, Alan Hutton, you know, former player and um, yeah. he used to go, the Maisie run, he went in this Maisie run. And, Good player. And he's passed the ball to me on the, on, the, on the edge of the box and I've cut inside on my right side. I don't know why. 
cut him aside and I've just bent one in the, in, the, in the corner past the goalkeeper and I just, you know, there's no better, you know, as a striker, there's no better feeling scoring a goal, is there? It no. doesn't matter if it's happening. It's, no. you know, even, even today, just scoring the header, I was buzzing just to score a goal. Yeah. That, you, you, that, that you, I used to celebrate, I used to celebrate like every goal was from the halfway line, mate, so I don't worry about that. <laughs> uh, it's, it's just, the, the buzz of scoring a goal is just, it's, it's amazing, do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I scored the goal and, um, that was that no, was incredible, and then obviously the away game. I was on the bench, and um, somebody got injured, um, and I come on the sub, and I said to the lads on the bench, Chris Boyd and that, um, I said I'm going to score here. It was to set corner kick. He said I'm going to come on here and score, and we always used to laugh and joke, you know, things like that. And I come on, the, just read the knockdown, I scored the goal, and it was um, yeah, we beat them away. Away in Stuttgart as well. It was it. was great, great games. Um, the Champions League is obviously the quality opposition and competition. But um, no, it was two two good goals. But then Europa League didn't do you too badly, did it? Because obviously you, you you went all the way to the final uh, with Rangers as well. Um, but obviously, obviously didn't uh, didn't work out in the final. Obviously, a lot of British teams have have, have got to the final and and uh, and came across some good sides. But talk talk us about uh, talk us about the. Um, um, all the way through, or, or some of the big games towards oh, the, up to the final. The, the Europa League was the the, the Euro, UF Cup was it? It was a great run for us. We um, I played away in Wolfsburg. We played in Wolfsburg at the time, um, and uh, the little uh, magician uh, Diego played a little uh, Brazilian midfielder. Yeah, he played for him. He, unbelievable, and they absolutely battered us in the second over in Germany. And Alan McGregor had an unbelievable game. I, mean, I think we nicked a one 0 there. And then um, I got injured um, in training. We were playing a little boxes in Rondo, and um, I was um, training. And Ali McCoy used to just try and wind me up. And I just said to lads one day, "I'm having him. I'm going to just. I'm just going to take it. I'm going to. I am going to have him. I'm going to take him out." And um, I went. I went. I went to jump in for a tackle with him and done him, and end up doing my knee and popped my knee, and I missed. I missed all the games away in um, Fiorentina and things like that. I was there obviously for the game because I was I was yeah, yeah. Um, coming back from injury. But luckily for me, I'd been out a bit and I, I was on the bench for the final against Zenit. And they were what a team they had at, at that time. You know, they were they were brilliant. Arshav and Timashuk, uh, Fernando Rixon. They were they were a top side, top Russian team, and um, you know, they they beat us fair and square on the night. Uh, Charlie, who do you think who was the most underrated player you played with at uh, Rangers? Underrated. Um, I think a lot of a lot of the players there at the time, you know, end up having good careers. Um, you know, I was lucky, fortunate enough. Somebody like Pedro Mendes, I played with him. He was just he was phenomenal. So Barry Ferguson was a top player. Um, you know, David Weir coming at thirty six or something like that, and coming. He's top, only going to sign for a season. Top player. Only going to sign for a season. End up saying for about four or five. He was a top professional. Steve Davis was there at the time. Brilliant player. Like you know, you know, I wanted a great career. Chris Boyd just scored goals. That's why he was bothered about talking about strikers. Mm. No link up play. Not interested in anything else. Just put the ball in the box for him, and he'll score a goal. That's how you state mm. me. Just put the ball in the box and I'll score a goal, and that's what he done. And now nah, it was, um, I was fortunate enough. I played with some great players over the years at Rangers, the De Boers and and things like that. They were, it was amazing. But 
for if I had a personal favourite shot, Avaladji was my favourite player of all time. He just he was a top guy, um, and you know played for Ajax. The, the ability he had was was amazing, you know. And he used to look after it now as well. Chris Boyd, <laughs> Chris, Boyd, Boyd Chris, Chris Boyd was forever linked with Cardiff for a move. He was like yeah, every was, yeah. transfer window. Chris Boyd yeah. going to Cardiff. I think yeah, it was it was it was either him or Stevie Thompson, wasn't it? And obviously Stevie yeah. Thompson's side just as just as I left. So you know what I mean. Uh-huh. I think Chris, Chris was Chris was Chris was going to go there. But I think it was um, a toss up between the two. But yeah, Stevie Thompson went instead. Indeed. Uh, you, you said earlier on, Charlie, about um, about being disappointed um, and heartbroken. I think you used the word mm. about leaving leaving Rangers. Obviously, you left to go on loan at Blackpool. Yeah. Um, so tell us how that came about, because obviously, you know, what I mean, I've been in a similar boat. That you leave a club that you that you love playing for, you know what I mean, and yeah, and and you and you go somewhere, um, and sometimes you you don't think it's it's going to be what it is, but then all of a sudden it turns into a fairy tale, and 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 your life's so different Changes. because of the move. But yeah, yeah. basically, yeah. Well, the, the thing is, I had like Alex McLeish, he got rid of me at Rangers. He gave him a Rangers debut. He got rid of me, uh, and, and he gave him a Scotland debut. So it was. Listen, it was it was tough, um, but I just it just got to a point where I wasn't playing regular enough. They bought a few midfielders: Steve Davis, Kevin Thompson, uh, people like that. And I, I knew I wasn't going to play. And the club turned around and said, "Listen, we you can go for half a million pounds." Uh, no, sorry, the loan deal what was happened was it just came out of the blue. I got a, said, "Listen, Blackpool want to take you in." A, Called my dad, my mum, and said, "Listen, Blackpool want me want me to go there on loan." It was listen. I was thinking, Blackpool, I don't want to go there for. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I hadn't been. I never been to an English club. I'd only been to St. Man and Ross County, and enjoyed playing every week. And I thought, do you know what? I'm going to have a go. There was a few Scottish lads there at the time. I went down, loved it. Um, played for six months. Got sent off my first game. Um, the fans took to me. We we just scraped relegation. I went back up to Rangers. Obviously, they, you know, at that time, Blackpool would never buy in any players. We got told it was going to be half a million pounds, and so we felt it was going to talking to to my agent at the time, just saying I think it might be too much. They, I don't think they could afford it, um, and I was probably I was close to going to Preston. They wanted they 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 wanted me, and they could only pay four hundred thousand for me. So, luckily for me, that just out of the blue one day, I'd you know all the way on the phone and. You know, um, they said, "Listen, we're going to buy. We're going to take that five hundred grand. We're going to pay it." Um, and they paid it. And um, now I was desperate to come back. And like I said, the rest was history. I just I went there and I just I fell in love with the place. And you know, obviously I live the I still live in the area now, and I love I, I love it here. I love living here, and um, it it was a great move for me at the time. Do you think Cardiff um, hearts? <laughs> we'll go we'll go on about that soon. Um, do you think a lot, um, a lot of Scottish players move to English football for, um, for the right reasons to obviously enhance their careers? And do you think a lot more are going to follow suit as well, Charlie? Because it's a place to play football. I think it's a good market. I think there's a, I think there's good players in Scotland that you can get cheap if you want to buy players. Listen, you, the Scottish players will come with the right mentality. If you know, it's, mm-hmm. if it's a toss-up between a, a foreign player or a British or a Scottish player. You you might side with that Scottish player because you know the mentality is going to come in. He'll know what it means to play in England, uh, you know, to win, to you know the the tempo of the game. You no, know, we're, we're not blessed with multiple of talented players as in technical ability. But the one thing you get with Scottish players is they work hard, 
you know, they're good in the dressing room um, and things like that. So I think a lot of, a lot of clubs in England now will look at Scotland and think there's good value there. Um, and I think over the years we've we've come down and, and we've done well enough to, to 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 do that. You know what I mean? For for relative relatively cheap money. Um, so hopefully that can continue. And I think listen, everybody wants to come and play in England. If there's an opportunity they can, then then I think they would. Uh, so you obviously mentioned uh, obviously the, the the transfer fee was agreed uh, five hundred thousand uh, pound, which is obviously a a huge deal for um, for Blackpool and a big push for them. So obviously they they realised at the time that you know what I mean you were uh, obviously a, a big player in order for them to bring in and obviously it it paid dividends didn't it because obviously that, obviously the highlight of your well probably before before going to the Premier League was uh, the playoffs and probably starting the semi final against Nottingham Forest obviously a you know what I mean a, a massive game between um, well, one of the one of the great English football, you know, not known for us. You know what I mean? I, you, you went into the games yeah, on the yeah. dogs. I remember watching both games on live on Sky, and and you know what I mean? Goals for fun in in the in, in, in the in the two legs overall, and and I, I didn't fancy Blackpool to win at all. But then they always came back to um, to show you know what I mean, show that they, that they were a good side, and you always had the players, the uh, Gary Taylor Fletchers, and and yourself, and you know what I mean? You just score goals for fun. Yeah, we did, and and Ollie, Ollie obviously was instrumental in that he'd seen obviously been at the game for a bit he obviously went to watch uh, Swansea and how they played the way he wanted to play it for the back and and you know the way they, they played such good football and he he felt that I was going to be a massive part in that that the, the Blackpool team and how he was going to build it so when he called me he said I'm going to build the team around you I need you just to do what you've done before we'll get good players around you um, and come and play and I'll get you to the Premier League and I just thought it was you know you half listen and you think yeah okay but yeah. Going back to the games, there was a little bit of mind games with Billy Davis, you know, um, and in our home game, um, he come in shouting in the tunnel and all that that before the game, and 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 it got to us. We 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 sort of you know we beat them twice that season, um, so we had the edge over them. We felt they were good enough, um, and obviously Billy said a few things before the game in the tunnel. At our place, and 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 we got we got our backs up, and we fell behind to a, a great goal from Chris Cohen, but we responded, which we normally did over the mm. season. We we come back, and Keith Southern had scored a goal, fluke of a goal, and then I obviously scored a penalty to make it two one. We knew that we could score goals. It was just a matter of you know, Nottingham Forest had a great record at home. We went there on the night. Um, and well, we we played some of the stuff we played was unbelievable, and the result we got was great as well. So it was a, it was a great night, um, and we enjoyed it after it as well. So it was, it was good. I bet you did. Yeah, there's not there's not not a better feeling knowing you're going to a playoff final. Um, I think this is the time, size, isn't it, when you go to the toilet or go and make a cup of tea, and all the Cardiff fans go 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 and have yeah. a go and have a couple of minutes yeah. off in it. Yeah, uh, that's, uh, my stream breaking up. Playoff final. Um, I've watched I watched the game uh, a few times. I watched your goal about fifteen times today. Never mind. Um, I've watched you from different angles. The, 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 uh, to score in a playoff final, you know what I mean, is 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 one thing. But to score a goal like that in 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 circumstances like that is just something else, eh? Uh, the, the pressure was there, and um, there's, a, there's there is a story to the free kick. Um, you know, obviously, I'd like a special mention to Peter Whittingham. Obviously, sadly, passed away recently. Um, and it was between me and him for the, the top goal scorer. He was 25 goals. I was on 19 or something like that. And um, at that season, he was flying, hitting free kicks, mm. scoring goals for fun. 
Uh, massive talent. He was the best player. Him and McPhail were the two best players. They, you know, they were a big worry for us. Yeah. And we um, we were training at Watford before the game, and um, obviously go through the set plays before the game. And we were worried about Whit- Peter Whittingham just set. So we we set up a free kick. Um, talk about Peter Whittingham, like you know, he could, could score a goal like that. And um, I just walked over. The, the, the wall was set up, uh, and I walked over to the, the after the training and just. Just walked up to the ball, whipped it. It was the exact same identical position as it was at Wembley. And I whipped this one um, in the top corner and I've just walked off the pitch and just said to the manager as, and shouted to the lads, you don't need to worry about P- Peter Whittingham. B- big players turn up at the big moment and that's what I'll do. And I just walked off, walked straight on the bus, never said anything. And the lads come on the bus after training, just clapping, like just as if like shocked, like it was like, wow, what had happened? And then the next day, and a little secret I go into my into my before games, how I play the game is that I visualise things in in my head before the games, night before a game, if I think something's going to happen in the game, uh, what what am I going to do? How am I going to pass it? Where am I going to run? Things like that. I just I've always done it my whole career, and 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 that moment was there, and I was just fortunate enough I had that moment again at Wembley in front of eighty thousand people and. And it stood me in good stead, and um, I managed to put it in the top corner and got us into the back into the game. How did how did you feel, Si, when uh, when that ball hit the net? <laughs> I um I was crying, mate. <laughs> um, interesting. Jack there says um, Chopra, Bothroyd, who had an England cap, McPhail, Whittenham, etc. Was that was that Cardiff side the best Championship side never to go up? Because they had an incredible squad. Sure. Oh, they had a great squad, didn't they? You know, Chopra defensively had McNaughton, Hudson, um, left back was Kennedy. Kennedy, yeah, Kennedy. Kennedy, yeah, Kennedy. Kennedy. Ma- Ma- Marshall and goals, Mc- McPhail, Whittingham. Um, who else was uh, Chopra, Bothroyd, Chopra. Um, yeah, Ross McCormack. Ross McCormack. But the big, thing, the big thing for us was. Um, what, how we felt that how how we the plan for us was that Cardiff were going to play four four two, Wickingham would probably tuck in a little bit, and we knew that if we can get past McF- um, Chopra and Bothroy, we knew they were never going to chase back. So as soon as our centre half stepped in, we had an overload straight away because we knew that they two wouldn't drop in and, and track back. The big thing for us, Chop Bothroy went off early, which was was massive for us. And um, yeah. I think he was a player as well, wasn't he? he? He was. He was a big player for them. Um, and they brought on Kelvin at two. Who was it? Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they brought him on. So there was a big difference to them. And then we started to get control of the game. And once, listen, once we scored the goals, we reacted. That way, Chopper scored a great goal. Uh, and then um, who? Who else scored the goal? The other so goal you had, was um, the goals were scored by Chopper and Joe Ledley. Joe and, Ledley, uh, yeah, I forgot Joe Ledley as well. So, the, you know, we bounced back twice. Uh, my free kick, and then obviously uh, Fletch scored, and then Brett scored that goal three-two. And second half, I think Cardiff had an opportunity to hit the bar, Chopper again, and then after they hit the bar, we dominated the second half really, and we've seen it out well. So it was a massive moment for us uh, as a club like Blackpool that. You know, we were tipped to get relegated and to 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 go there and to win in, at, at Wembley was amazing. 
Um, we, better, we better move, we better move on, Sai, because I was just, uh, say, just, yeah. just because there's too many there's too many people getting upset in the group. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> um, Charlie. Obviously, people uh, who are maybe don't support the teams that you play for. Obviously, you're yeah. probably most well known for that goal you scored for Chelsea. But uh, I understand that wasn't the first time you've scored from halfway. Yeah. Um, you did it in a one of your, I think it was a reserve game, was it, for Blackpool? Like your first game or second game? Well, because, like you say, going back to when I when I don't play, because I was suspended, I got sent off after for three games. We There was a reserve game against Accrington at Accrington. And I, I wanted to play in the game because I hadn't played for a couple of weeks. And, um, yeah, I, I chipped a goalie for about 50 yards. But I'd actually scored one better than that for Standard. St. Mun. When I was on loan oh, okay. at St. Mun, no, sorry, I was on loan at Ross County. I scored a similar goal uh, against um, St. Mun. Um, so it was... Uh, so how, no, many was... Times, how many times have you done it in a, you know, like in a, in a game? I think three, three, three now. Just three how, many time, how many times have you tried it, Charlie? Three three thousand, <laughs> <laughs> and and every every time every time it doesn't it doesn't work out. Does the goalkeeper kick the ball as far as he way as, as far away as he can just to just to get uh, nerves? Yeah, 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 or a shank it, or I just just don't yeah. lift my head up. You know what I mean? Because I know that I'm get I'm gonna get do- I'm gonna get dogs abuse from my teammates. But yeah. um, nah, listen, I was just fortunate enough at that, that moment it happened and um, against one of the best goalkeepers in the world and. You know, Chelsea were a top team at that time as well. So it was uh, that was a great moment. Yeah. Well, what going was that on to summer that like, yeah. Yeah, sorry, yeah, and I just no, wanted to know right. what that summer was like. Obviously, Blackpool going to the Premier League was a hell of a story, and you know they did pretty well, particularly in the early early part of that Premier League season. But what was that summer like? The build up to you know to coming into the Premier League with a with a club the size of Blackpool. It was. It was uh, shambolic, really, because we we had no training ground. We never knew what was going on. We, you know, we were still washing our own kit, and uh, it was just, uh, you know, off the pitch at Blackpool was it wasn't great. But we made it what it was. We enjoyed it. We we embraced it. Uh, we made it into a, a laugh and a joke and a culture that everybody had to buy into. Everybody bought into it, and it was great. We just the biggest problem we had was trying to get the right players in. Do you know what I mean? When you the big thing when a worry is for a club like Blackpool when they come into the Premier League is they think they need to sign, you know, twenty players in the window. When you don't really, you need to just bring quality in instead of quantity. We brought too much quantity in, and we had an overload of players. But um, no, it's it was a great summer. Um, I enjoyed it, um, knowing that you're going to be a Premier League player the following season, and in a great way to, but like even the. The pre-season for the Premier League was was terrible. We went we ended up in Devon for a pre-season tour, like it was rubbish. You know what I mean? But that's that was the way it was, and um, now we got on with it. And um, now we 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 um, we beat Wigan four 0 in the first day, and then the second game we got beat six 0 at Arsenal. So we were brought into earth quite quickly. <laughs> uh, so what? So obviously, obviously ended in uh, ended in heartache and a bit of heartbreak for yourself, Charlie. Obviously uh, getting relegated and things, and uh, but. So how how was your overall experience though in the in the Premier League? Did you did you enjoy it? Was it a fairy tale? Was it everything you thought it would be? Oh, I loved it. Loved it. I felt I felt that pressure. I felt like you know I always had the captain's armband. I felt that I had the onus to go and produce every week. That I 
I was the one that I felt that everybody had to look up to. That I was the inspiration to, to, to help the team. I ended up scored 14 goals and I think I got seven or eight assists that season as well in the yeah. Championship and the Premier League. So, yeah. um, no, I embraced it. I was fortunate enough. Um, but I had good, pe- good players and good people around me as well. That's that's half the battle. It's not about me, just only about me. There was, there was other good players in the team as well. And, yeah. you know... I think losing a goalkeeper through injury away at West Ham was, was difficult for us and that set the tone for really. We had 25 points after about 18 games and we were flying. We, we, we lost a couple of key players and we never recovered from that. So there's obviously a disappointment um, from that. But, you know, I was fortunate enough I ended up getting a, an amazing move to Liverpool on the back of it. Well, you just took the word out of, uh, out of our mouth. So obviously you impressed... Um... A club in particular, uh, Liverpool had um, a couple of bids rejected before. Obviously, they got the uh, they got the one accepted for you, and obviously you moved to uh, to Anfield, which is obviously a, a dream move for everybody but Si, I think, um, and all the Man United fans. But tell me, tell me, um, tell me, like about Liverpool. You know, what I mean, Cause every every kid's dream to play at Anfield in front of the cop, and you know, what I mean, and and, and the history it all goes with playing for Liverpool. Yeah, well, I was fortunate enough that we, we obviously we beat them twice that season, Liverpool, uh, in the Premier League. Uh, we went to Anfield, we won 2-1, I scored a penalty. And um, it's just when the crowd, the cop are up singing, you know, the, you're singing You'll Never Walk Alone and, you know, the, the players, you know, all the, the banners and the mosaics and all that. It, it makes, you know, you get a shiver. And um, I was just fortunate enough that I embraced it when I went there to play with Blackpool, Liverpool. I stood there and I watched the, the cop and I just thought, wow, it's incredible. And um, and when I got that move, it was just, I, I embraced it. I, you know, I ended up playing 35, 37 games or something like that. And, you know, people will never take that away from me. I was I'm, no. I always tell people, I'm one of the lucky ones that managed to get a, an opportunity to play for Liverpool Football Club. And, you know, you can never take that away. And it's, um, that was a great feeling. You played with some unbelievable players, um, you know, Gerard, Suarez and many others. What was it like to, um, you know, with no disrespect to Blackpool in any way, but like to go from playing for Blackpool to then playing against, you know, Steven Gerrard, uh, playing with Steven Gerrard, Luis Suarez in a stadium like Anfield? That must have been quite a difference. I know you had the experience of Ibrox, obviously, but... yeah. I, like you say, I used that. Rangers are a big club, so I had that experience of a big club. Um, I'd only obviously seen Liverpool on the telly. Um, you know, your Gerrard's, Carragher's, Suarez, people like that. Um, and when I when I went into the dressing room, I was listen. I was I was nervous, which which with everybody, I was overawed a little bit with with the players that were in there. But you know, once you get playing and you get in. The rhythm of playing with them—it's—it's it's just a day-to-day pleasure to be in there. Do you know what I mean? It's—it was just an amazing feeling, and I was lucky that I—the um, lads at Blackpool were—they were buzzing for me when I got the move. Do you know what I mean? It was like they were never off the phone asking what it was like. Mm-hmm. You know the, what the lads like, and it was—you know—we're still we're in a group chat now. The lads from the Blackpool team, so it's. It's it's good that you know they they were they were buzzing for me to get that move, and when I walked in that signed that contract it was it was life-changing on and off the pitch you know what I mean it was just it was brilliant and um you know it was a it was a great club and I was just unlucky unfortunate it was only for a year but you know you make decisions in your career that you feel it's it's right for that and I had to make that decision when 
when when Stoke come to to sign me, you know. So obviously moving to Stoke, Charlie. Obviously it was a it was a Premier League move again. Um, mm-hmm. You know what I mean. So tell us tell us the thought process behind it. Was it was it driven by um, the manager? Was it driven by yourself that you that you saw it as an opportunity to play more football, regular football? Well, I had a chat with Brendan, um, and he told me that Liverpool needed the money to sit to to sell me. And but I listen, I was clued in. I knew that I was never going to play. And you know, obviously at that time they were trying to get rid of Henderson as well for swap deal for Clint Dempsey. And Jordan refused it. And I obviously knew that I wasn't going to play. And I felt, do you know what? I want to play. Um, I hadn't even spoke to Stoke. I just got, my agent just told me that, you know, Stoke want you. It was a bid and this was, you know, this was it. So I went to the training ground, signed the contract, spoke to the manager. Um, uh, and that was it. Uh, it was in hindsight, it was it was great. I loved it. Seven years there it was it was a brilliant time. First six months was obviously difficult because, you know, after after being there three months, I lost my dad, um, which was tough for me. And um, yeah, I just the manager sort of, you know, sort of bombed me out a little bit when that happened, and mm. you know, told me that um, in the January window, said, listen. We don't think it's worth it for for us as a club and you as a, as a player. So it'd be best if you moved on and blah, blah blah. So the only thing that saved me from leaving there was that I'd played for Liverpool in the Europa League against Hearts. So you can't play for three clubs in the one season. So I was stuck there anyway to the to the summer. Right. So I um, I obviously seen it out and then I you know played a few games at the end of the season. And then Mark Hughes come in and everything changed and it was a um, clean slate and uh, you know I ended up staying there for another six six years I think it was or seven years. Um, I seen um, obviously a, a, a lovely story. Uh, obviously, obviously really sad that your dad passed away and obviously the club uh, give you a bit of time off. Uh, but then obviously you came back and you scored a goal and dedicated for your dad. So how did that feel? Because obviously that must have been um, so special. Obviously I seen you um, your social media. Um, on Father's Day, obviously, you know what I mean. Tough time again, so yeah. um, you know what I mean. It must have been a nice to to dedicate something to him, something so special to you. Yeah, because he was a huge influence in my career. Like I was fortunate enough, he was when I was younger, he was on me hard, and you know he pushed me into to being a player. But he was a player himself, and he never wanted me to make the same mistakes he did. And I was just, you know, I was driven by his his you know failures really. Um, and I, um, I, I just felt it was, it was right. And you know, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have been in that position or in that career I've had through through what he done for me and, and helped me through that. So, listen, at the time, it was, yeah, it was tough. And you know, obviously, when an anniversary or a Father's Day has come round or a birthday, it is tough. But you know, you you get to learn to adapt to it and 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 get used to it. The problem now is you have got young kids that are asking about how it happened and and what happened. So it's tough, but. Um, no, it's yeah. I'm, I'm just fortunate enough that he was he was in my life for for a, for a long time, and you know I I've had a good career, and and he was a major part of it. I'd be very proud, mate. I tell you, I'd be very proud of what, yeah. what you've achieved, mate. Spot on, mate. Spot on. Um, so just before we kind of move on to Stoke, Charlie, I wanted to ask you. Obviously, you stayed with the Liverpool for a year. You played sort of 38 games, which, as you said, no one could take that away from you. Uh, massive yeah. club, but in terms of uh, like the length of your stay there and, and the amount of maybe games you played in the, with the benefit of hindsight would you have picked a different club or would you have still gone with 
Liverpool because of the size of the club and the experience that you've got? No, I, listen, I don't regret one moment going to Liverpool. Loved every minute of it. The only thing is, you know, could I have been a bit of different mentality and thinking, do you know what, I might set a certain something might happen in the season, an injury, or all of a sudden you're going to be, you might be back in. But when you've got that inside you that you want to play every week and you don't want to sit in the stand and you feel, you, you know, you know, you're picking up good money and I just, I felt that I had to earn that. Do you know what I mean? And that's that's what I've always been like through my career. It's, you know, if, I, if I'm not playing and there's an opportunity for me to go and play somewhere else where I'm, I'm going to play and I'm going to be a main player in that team or I'm, I'm going to be getting an opportunity to help that team progress then I'm definitely one for taking up on it. Um, I'm not the to just sit and take money because it's not it's not right. You know, the career is... You know, you can look back and say, oh, yeah, I played 200 games. Uh, or you can look back and say, yeah, but I played 600 games. You know what I mean? And that's the decision you're making. And I had to make that as a football decision. And I made that the right decision because I ended up at Stoke for seven years and it was a, it's a great club. I think it's a breath of fresh air, Charlie, listening to that, you know, because I think a lot of... I, I keep referring back to young people and... Um, you know what I mean, and, and I know there's a lot of footballers who, who watch this, and you know what I mean. You need to listen to that advice because the football career is so short. And if you're sat on the bench, and you know what I mean, you think it's a laugh and a joke. You know what I mean. Go and play some football. Go and make a name for yourself. You know what I mean. It's not about celebrating someone else's um, so, someone else's good work and someone else's. Um, played well and won a game and, and, and getting their accolades. You know what I mean? Go make a name for yourself. It's not about sometimes winning and losing. It's about making a name for yourself and playing well and, and putting your name out there in the shop window. And yeah, I'm always a big advocate, mate. If, you play, if you're playing well and you're playing games, money's going to follow anyway. So, you know what I mean? It's about yeah. playing football and regular football and, uh, and playing as long as you possibly can and dragging your career out as long as you possibly can. And the only way of doing that is by playing games because you can get really comfortable sat on your backside. Um, and it can be it can be the worst thing um, in your career because people and other managers scouts fans sometimes think oh, he's not bothered about playing he's happy sitting on the bench and you don't want that kind of but, reputation unfortunately but I, I'm half like that now at, at 34 years of age you could you know you probably know when you're not going to play at the weekend but you don't really you don't accept it until you get told the team but I still get that disappointment in myself that I'm not playing even though you know, I know that I'm not going to play 46 games in this championship. But, you know, I still get that disappointment on a Friday night. I'm sat at home thinking, right, I'm absolutely gutted I'm not playing tomorrow. But what I do is when I get back in the next day, I don't have that hangover of I'm walking around or I'm I'm not bothered. There's more important things. The whole team's important than that. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, I totally agree. You get over that disappointment. It's. Um, well, I think you've shown and, that, Charlie. It, I think I think you've shown that we're playing games. You're, you're playing more than um, than a lad did who started on Saturday. So a lad starts on Saturday, plays 60, 70 minutes. You came on on Saturday, um, and then you played again today. So you're in a week. You're playing more minutes than somebody who started a game on Saturday. So it shows that you're. You're wanting to improve. You're wanting to keep on ticking over, improve your fitness levels, improving your match sharpness to to stay, to move, to to do whatever. You know, it's 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 yeah. professionalism at its at its finest. And uh, I think a lot of young people and all older players, I think, uh, should be listening and watching and and taking note because it's uh, it's it's a skill in itself. Um, right. Uh, moving moving on. Um, obviously, Stoke ended up getting relegated, Charlie, towards towards the end before you left. Um, Obviously, Gary Rowett took over. Um, yeah. Obviously, things didn't work out. Um, obviously, the way that Eula wanted, and obviously you moved on. No. Things didn't work out for Gary uh, either. You know. So, um, talk us about 
um, about what it was like playing under him. Because obviously he came with a, a bit of a reputation. It was a step up for him. Um, he'd obviously mm. done a, a decent job uh, in his previous do- previous job, and obviously got a got a big job in taking over the stock. Yeah, he come in. Um, you know, I just felt that obviously he'd done a good job where he'd been, and he come in there and we had a few senior players. Um, not sure if he, he enjoyed the senior players really. Didn't want to use them as well as he probably could have. Um, and. You know, I trained for 10 days, never spoke to him. And then I went in his office and I said, listen, what's happening? He said, you ain't going to play. He said, find yourself a club. I went, I'm not going anywhere. I said, I'm, this was my point now. I ain't going anywhere. I said, the players you signed are not good enough that I know I'm better than what you've signed. And he, he never took never took to that. He didn't, he didn't accept that. Um so we had a few, few no run-ins, but we had a few chats um, where he, you know, he put me over with the 23s for a bit um, because I wasn't, I didn't accept that I felt I was good enough to play in his team. But obviously he'd spent 30 million quid uh, on players and, and obviously wanted to do it his way. He obviously felt that the team that got relegated, he felt that he wanted to get pushed, you know. He kept a few senior players around the group, but myself and others you know we were over with the 23s at times and and then I got told that I wasn't allowed to tackle in training um, and I just knew I was just I would say it was close to, to you know coming to a mutual agreement and, and it just never it never happened I um, you know I just it was it was difficult you know that was the only time this probably the only time in my career I've dug my heels in because I knew that I, I still had a lot to offer and I felt strongly about it Still felt that I was good enough to to get in that team. Uh, I never. Um, and then you know, obviously Nathan Jones come in and we um, we drew. We won the first game, drew the second game, and then he he left me out again. So it was uh, it was tough. It was tough, and it was sad the way it ended for me. It was Stoke because I love the club. You know, um, you know, it's 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 a, it's a club that's that's grown to me, and my my kids and my family loved it as well. But. No, that's football. We all know yeah. that we're all big and brave. You make managers have got to make their own decisions. You, they, they've got to bring their own players in, um, and you know we, we all move on from it. Charlie, can I ask you there, mate? Sorry, just the same you said about the they he asked you not to tackle in training. Um, yeah. What like what was the reason behind that? I I don't know. I just listen. I'm competitive, um, mm. but he knew that you know I would probably go around. You know, playing in the wrong way, and you know, maybe leaving something on somebody. Yeah, they're taking that position. Charlie, have you, have, you have you seen your tackle on Ali McCoist? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I'm competitive, and I, what, how I feel now is that even at my age now, you know, I ain't just going to allow somebody to accept taking my jersey on a Saturday. I'm going to be up there competitive. I'm going to be at it. Had a few run-ins with a few players um, over it. Um, um, and if he didn't like it, he didn't like it. That was tough. But um, you know, I, they've got my jersey. I want it out. I want to play. I feel that I'm good enough. I just never got the opportunity to do that. Um, that and that's football. You know, you just you have to sometimes realise that it is not going to work with with the managers that you are, and you know, you move on from it. And um, it's it ended sadly because the results weren't right. Obviously, Charlie, you moved to you moved to Reading. Now, we're not going to spend a lot of time on Reading because I don't I don't think it's fair to uh, to talk about obviously uh, 
a current club and uh, and a club obviously you're still playing for. So obviously uh, mm-hmm. played we played at the weekend. Uh, you played against obviously you played against Stoke City, which obviously time yeah. is everything. Time is everything in this game. Um, you you playing against uh, Derby next weekend? We played Derby Saturday, Brentford Tuesday. So two tough games. Two very tough games. Obviously Derby for me are the well since it's the Wayne Rooney factor. So tell us what your thoughts are about Derby at the weekend. Yeah, Derby. Let's say it's you know Wayne Wayne's obviously gone there. He's a been a top player. Still is a top player. He's um, he's a key player for them, and you know Lawrence is a good player as well. So no, we uh, we beat them earlier in the season. Um, so it'll be a tough game up at Derby. Obviously, no crowd, which it's it, for me. I think it's it, it, it makes the game even. So we we'll go there confident to win the game. We we we'll have a strategy come come Thursday how how we want to play and um, yeah we'll be ready to play and then another tough game against Brentford who I think are, are one of the best passing teams in the league and the movement they can cause you and the problems they can it's it'll be a very difficult game but you know we're at home we'd we'd expect to beat anybody at home really. You said there, Charlie, to fin- just to finish up before we get some questions from uh, from all our wonderful viewers and listeners. Um, you said about being a leveller. Um, so, is that what do you believe that you that now with obviously no crowd that you're going obviously to, to Pride Park, which I wouldn't say it's a hostile place to play, but it's always a decent place to play, a good atmosphere. Uh, it's always pretty full. Yeah, yeah I think uh, I think any away ground, it's um, you know you're at a disadvantage. Um, obviously, we don't know how we're going to go when we go there. It's um, what the dressing room's going to be like, where we're getting changed yet, or what's going to happen. It's going to be a totally different scenario for us. But no crowd. It's you know live via living. We we feel that we've got players that can go and hurt them in our front forward areas, um, and I think on our day then yeah we definitely believe we've got a chance of winning. Hundred percent. Um, I was gonna I've completely gone. I was gonna ask something and it's just completely completely gone out of my mind. Oh, um, so if we could just finish off, um, Charlie, I just was gonna kind of give you some of the questions which we've had throughout yeah. the show. Um, one of them was, who do you think uh, is going to win the championship and who do you think is going to go down? Um, obviously, like, understand if you don't particularly want to understand uh, understand if you don't particularly want to sort of name clubs which you think are going to go down, but who do you think will win the league? Um, I think Apart West Brom will Cardiff, win the league. Think, I think West Brom will win the league. I think Leeds yeah. will go second. And I think... That I think it could be Brentford's year. Yeah, I, I hope so. You know, that. Charlie. You know, yeah, yeah, I do just too. for the just for the way that they play, and also I think uh, for for their manager for the football club, the way that they move a new stadium. I think if they don't go up, I think a lot of their players will will, will, will move the yeah, move I think away. This could and be I the big, this, this, this will be, be this will be it for them. This could be the biggest uh, exit of players. You know, when they lose. Mopai and people like that, they've only used one or two. They could end up losing five, six players this summer, I easily, think. Easily, easily, yeah. Especially with this pandemic and new stadium mm. getting built, you know, yeah, they could easily. lose five or six. So, I think this could be, I think this could be the best chance for them going up this year. Yeah, and to be yeah. fair, you know what I mean, they probably deserve it as well. I, I look at the, I look at the other sides in the playoffs um, and obviously they beat Fulham at the weekend and for me, it's probably out of them and Fulham. The others, the other spaces might be filled by Cardiff, Blackburn, Swansea, I think, Pres- I Preston. think Lab- I really think Blackburn are an outside bet as well. I think they. they you've, no, been, I, I was you, you've been watching our old show, Charlie, haven't you? Next week, yeah, uh, we tip them for promotion. No, them for promotion. I was I was fortunate enough that I um I went there pre-season just just to get fit because it's 
you know, tw- 10, 15 minutes from my house. I went and man- Tony Mowbray was kind enough to allow me in there for, for a month Mugger. to get fit. Not very well. To get Come fit, on. I gave him a t- I managed to get his number and speak to him. And he yeah, was like, no problem, come in there. But the big thing about them is they've got a great team spirit. Bradley Dak's going to be back soon as well. I think he'll be a massive player for them. I really like him. I think he's quality. Um, and they got they got good players as well, you know what I mean? So I, I believe that spirit is, is, is a big part of what you've got. Mm. And they've definitely got that in their group, you know. So they could be a dark horse. Lewis Holt was on a free. Um, oh, the you... signing of the season, that is. Sail, so sail, so tell you, Charlie. I was, um, I was heartbroken when uh, when Bradley got injured. When he, oh, I was, yeah. I was like a broken yeah. man. I'd, I raved about him week in, week out on the on the on the championship show, and um, yeah, I, 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 I feared for them. You know, what I mean, they had, they, had a, they had a bit of a bad time when he when he first got injured, but then obviously Lewis Holden yeah. got fit. Stewie, Stewie moved into different areas. Gallagher took over, and Danny Graham started scoring goals again. Armstrong, Armstrong was started scoring goals, so. They've had different players step up to the table, which they needed really badly. Stewie's done them, bro, unbelievable. Yeah, you know what I mean? Great, Thirty-five yeah. years of age, played nearly every game. Mm. But like I say, I think they had that whole kicking the teeth with Bradley. That you know, they were, he was his best player. They were a, he was the main man. And he's, and do you know what? I actually thought on the outside before I went in there training, I thought he's a good player, good championship player. He could definitely play the, uh, in the Premier League. You know, he's hundred percent. He's he, yeah, he's he he'd be a good signing for somebody in the Premier League, for, you know, if he can come back from his injury and because he's great, he's got good quality, great vision, you know, he's top player. Um, Mark uh, Sherwood also asked uh, Charlie said, uh, sorry, uh, Al Baker uh, said, uh, what was the highlight of your time in the game so far, and what are some of your interests outside of football? Um, my highlight of the in the game so far, obviously, was, would be that goal at Wembley, playing, you know, getting promoted with Blackpool. Um, interest outside the game, I love, I love, uh, I love golf. Um, you know, I love watching, you know, flicking through the internet, watching a bit coaching and managers and trying to pick up and managers what and coaches what they do because that's something that interests me when I finish playing. So, just that's really my interest. You know, golf, family, kids. It's that's it, you know. Uh, John, Johnny asks you, uh, how many tattoos have you got? Oh, only one. My uh, my son's son's name. Nah, let me go. And um, last one from the chat. I'm just going to pick randomly. Um, what was the name of your student, uh, Anne, did you say? Ben, ben Scalin. Okay, there you go. Ben Scalin asks, who was the greatest manager you've worked under and why? Greatest manager. Um, uh, every manager I've had is uh, I've enjoyed different things from. Ollie was the one that gave me that platform to be the player I was. He gave me responsibility by making me captain. So, yeah, uh, I would say him. Obviously, Kenny was he's an icon, and uh, Liverpool was, was was great. But if I'd say one to one relationship, I'd definitely say Ian Ollie. Okay, and I'm just going to let one more question in, just because we need a bit of positivity in the world. Uh, and James asks, "Who's that's the a nice? Nicest... That's the nicest question ever, isn't it? Though, yeah, it's the nicest one we've ever had, and the most polite. Who's who's the nicest footballer you've ever met? Do you know what? Every every player that I've met, every uh, the t- all the top players uh, are incredible. People think that they these superstars. It's mm. No disrespect. It's, it's when you go to League One and League the lower leagues that they they've got a little bit of a chip in the shoulder. 
But, you know, if you meet the top players, you know, your Lampards or, you know, Gerrard, you know, John Terry, people like that, if you meet them on holiday, they'll sit, have a beer with you, they'll have a chat, you know. Nah, it's, uh, the, the, the top players are the top players for a reason. And um, now nah, I would always say that every every player that I've met, top player, they've they've always shown, gave me respect and they've chatted. And But my favourite one was when I managed to meet Rory McIlroy. That was my, uh, that's my favourite one. Nice guy, apparently. I top lad. I was fortunate enough that I got in the in behind the ropes at uh, the Ryder Cup at Glen Eagles and I met his dad and walked 12 holes with his dad. And wow. I um, I was in Portugal one week, one year and he, that was the season he got injured with his ribs and he was in Portugal just practicing, just chipping and putting. And I run was running through the golf course and I um, I uh, I seen him there and he, he his dad recognised me and he stopped me and I I end up chatting for about two hours with him. He was just talking about everything, about life in general, about everything. He was just top man, you know. Amazing. Lovely. Right. Uh, and do you want to just finish yourself with a couple of questions for Charlie and then I'll wrap us yeah. up? Yeah. So, Charlie, you mentioned then um, uh, about watching and listening closely to managers, uh, etc. for future, uh, future reference. So what does the future hold for Charlie Adam? Charlie Adam, um, probably, well, definitely want to play as long as I can. Um, I want to keep playing until my um, body doesn't allow it. I feel fit, feel good, um, and yeah, definitely going to play as long as I can. But in the background, just trying to get experience with coaching and, and learning every every other every day, you know, different things and taking on board um, from other other managers. You know what I mean? So, you know, taking like I said before at the start of the show, taking up Chris Wilder and going and watching the training and speaking to people like that. It's only going to be a benefit for me, hopefully, in the long run. Totally agree. Uh, can I just say, Charlie, you've been an absolutely inspiration to people, mate. Some of your, your stories, your antidotes, just the way you've held yourself in. You, mate, it's absolutely fantastic interview. I really appreciate oh. your time, mate. Thank you very much. No, thank, thank you very much for having me. Yes, but on either, it's been an absolute pleasure, Charlie. i got to say, I've, um, I've been, I could listen to you for another like hour and a half, <laughs> but uh, we'll let you go. Um, guys, thanks for everyone for tuning in. Of course, you can check out our other uh, shows Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and occasionally Sunday. Video versions, youtube.com slash ace podcast nation. Audio, all the usual places. Spread the word. Tell your friends. Follow us on social media. Uh, thanks again to Black Diamond Sports for all, uh, all their support. Please follow them on social media. Have a look, particularly if, you've, uh, if you're young footballers. And uh, or young sports stars, have a look, get in contact, see what they're about. Uh, obviously, Bespoke Financial is our new sponsor as well. Um, so if you're looking for life insurance and other similar products, I would highly recommend. Andy, it's been a pleasure, my friend. As oh, always, mate, as always. I nearly forgot, again, like I do every week, follow at AC Footy Show on social media. Uh, it's the Andy Campbell what? Show page. What else? I we got a big we got we got we got the new show what? as well Friday, haven't we? So tune oh, yeah, in Friday. Yeah, tune in Friday. We got our uh, championship championship show back on at uh, seven pm. Seven pm kickoff on Friday night for forty five minutes, um, talking all championship fixtures results um, with some very interesting interviews as well from current and ex players. So it should be a blast. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be something completely different. It's going to be mm. shorter than this show. It's going to be different to our championship show it's evolved basically it's an extra show 45 minutes half of football 
and uh, it's going to be very interesting, very much fun. So join us Friday to get ready for the football weekend. Charlie, thank you. Andy, thank you. And uh, thank you for everybody for tuning in. And we will see you Friday. I will see you on Wednesday. Cheers, guys. As he searches for the... Podcast Network. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.